0: ladies and gentlemen, to The Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam.
1: And my name is Jeremy.
0: We are here for our more annuals uh, and and other stuff in our continuing B-Sides coverage. So annuals count as B-Sides? I don't know. Uh, doesn't most,
1: matter. Most of them do, I think. Only this, a couple uh, of uh, annual stories that we've covered have made a difference one way or the other.
0: This one, Uncanny X-Men, annual number uh, 15, Kings of Pain, part three, wasn't terrible. Um,
1: It's okay. I mean, there's enough going on in the pages of uh, the Uncanny X-Men. And uh, Fabian Nesicia did a decent job sort of respecting what was happening in the pages of the Uncanny X-Men. I thought that was uh, neat. So, for example, uh, you're not going to see a storm and a wolverine and your mainstay cast members. You're just going to see the Moira McTaggart, uh, uh Muir Island Islanders, as they're referred to in this issue.
0: Yeah, and there's a very, well, I guess we'll get to it. There's a very convenient Shadow King loophole that I don't fully understand.
1: Uh, we can talk about it because I didn't understand it either
0: it would appear that the, sh- the shadow King decides to leave for a little while Based... and then comes back at the end of the story.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's I guess like, oh, I don't want to
0: deal with this. I'm out of here.
1: <laughs> so we'll, we'll talk about, and I guess that's what I'm talking about, uh, that Fabian Acesia respected the, the material and, and dealt with it, whether or not it was a good plan is, is totally up in the air. But, uh, This issue is a. This whole storyline is a mess. Uh,
0: So, so this issue, I didn't feel like this was this was okay. It was when once we get to X Factor, the part four, that's when for me it just was like, what happened?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So we start off on this issue just like every other one of these. We get a recap of everything that's going on, and everybody's off to Muir Island because I feel like in the last issue they felt. Like, uh, th- they knew that the, the plan here was to resurrect Proteus or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, they're going to head off to Muir Island. Uh, The cannonball, I think, is the only one that mentions it. But he's like, yeah, you know, we're going to go to Muir Island. Uh, Moira's been acting weird. Yeah, he mentions it a
0: couple times.
1: Cut to all of, like, uh, you've got uh, Madrox, Moira McTaggart. Siren is here. And I don't remember her being there. But whatever. That's... Rel- that, 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 that makes sense. And Legion and Polaris and they're all sort of like uh, downtrodden, angry looking like just kind of punky, just hanging out. And the yeah. Shadow King is sort of like hovering over them. And like, okay, I guess that's what's happening here is that these these mutants have been corrupted and have just been angrily hanging out on Muir Island since the last time we saw them.
0: And they have been uh, the, the, the new warriors and the new mutants or I guess X-Force has been trying to contact Mere Island unsuccessfully, which uh, multiple men says, what do we do? They've been trying to contact us for hours. They're going to find out we're here. And Moira says, I know, Jamie, but I'm not interested in having people I don't know or trust invading my island.
1: I'm going to chalk that up to uh, Shadow King corruption.
0: Right. And yeah. then we get a panel of all our unwitting pa- uh, pawns of the supreme telepath known as the Shadow King. For now, though, he loosens his hold. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, that's i i i must have just glossed over that.
0: Which I'm not really sure what that means. Does he disappear? because he he's like, I'm out. Shadow King's got busier things to do. Well, it doesn't
1: entirely make sense because I feel like because what happens? It's a misunderstanding, of course. So you get all these team members are fighting as as you do in these issues. So it make more sense if uh, they're fighting against everybody. Until they kind of like settle their differences. And oh, it's a misunderstanding. And that's when maybe you get the dialogue of like the Shadow King loosens his hold. Because then you could chalk all of this like fighting from the Muir Island uh, X-Men up as Shadow King corruption.
0: I'm going to chalk it up to Shadow King Residue. Yeah, that works. <laughs> they, he left, but they're still pretty angry from sure. the whole uh, being held sort of thing. And they don't know why they're angry. They're just they're just acting little off still. And they're not really sure entirely why. Yeah. So I don't know how much of this you
1: want. I I agree. I I'll, I I can go by or I can go along with that. I don't know how much of this fight you want to cover. But, you know, it's a, it's a typical generic. All the heroes are fighting. Nobody really loses. And then they're like, hey, everybody.
0: There are four objects, towers that they need to destroy in order to land for some reason. So they do that. It doesn't take very long. It really only takes about a page in three panels Mm -hmm. and that's when they get attacked by siren. Uh, Polaris is entirely useless in this issue. All she like, she gets one line of dialogue, which is Moira says Islanders take them down. And Polaris says with pleasure. And I think that's all Polaris says for this. Maybe I'm wrong, but mostly she just acts as a strong person hitting people. Yep. Um, so her magnetic powers are, you know, as, as we know, they went, didn't they go off to her, somebody from the Savage Land issues?
1: Uh, Zaladane?
0: Zaladane. Yeah. Zaladane has stolen Polaris's powers, at least for now. Mm hmm. Maybe she'll get them back, but right now she does not have her magnetic powers. Control of magnetism. Um, they used the sound effect Shrek a lot, which I thought was funny. <laughs>
1: A lot this, of sound effects in this issue.
0: This was predating Shrek by a few, maybe a decade.
1: Yeah. I don't know. They, they fight, and then they some telekinesis and they, stuff, and then they like, ah, oh, it's, ca- it's all right.
0: Ca- cable shows up, and I guess they decide they're outnumbered. So um,
1: You do get this striking panel of, of Cable and Domino and... I don't know who the... Oh, that's uh, Night Thrasher's father. And they all got giant guns. And they're like, who yeah,
0: That's Cord."
1: Yeah, Cord. They're basically like, well, you could continue fighting, but mm, you're a scientist. Calculate these odds. See where you stack
0: up. Cannonball is cheering for some reason. He's got his one arm thrown up, and he's like, hooray.
1: Cable's here. <laughs> <laughs> Fight's over. Why are you here, Cable?
0: She says. Now... She knows Cable from the past. As so. established, right? So, I guess maybe if I were, more, I'd be like, why didn't I answer the call? <laughs> <laughs> some, I feel like I've been
1: possessed for quite a while. <laughs> I just haven't been yeah. myself. Then um, we, uh, we change our focus over to the streets of Edinburgh, Scotland, where piecemeal and uh, harness are going to go slurp up some more energy. Yeah, which we
0: learn at some point that this is Proteus energy. Yes. So that's important. I don't... This is one of those things where I don't fully understand what's going on or what the solution was. Uh, But we'll get more (laughs) to that when we get to X-Factor. But yeah, for for some reason, Proteus energy is in the world. Yes. And Harness knows it. And Harness is forcing piecemeal to suck it up. Let's
1: assume that... Uh, when Proteus, prior to Proteus going crazy and having to be locked up and or killed, uh, Moira McTaggart took him on a bunch of vacations. Okay. And uh, he inadvertently deposited some of his Proteus energy. And now piecemeal or harness wants piecemeal to slurp it all up for some reason. She wants power? I don't know.
0: I own you, kiddo, inside and out. And what's yours is mine and what's mine is power, she says. mm mm-hmm.
1: And when we get to it in the pages of X Factor, I'll be honest, I'm not, I'm not really sure what the motivation behind all of this was. And and maybe you were able to figure it out, but we'll get there when we get there.
0: The motivation is she's bad, but there were some twists where I was like, oh, okay.
1: There was an interesting twist. I was like, I didn't see that coming, but that, 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 okay, that makes sense. But anyways, we'll get there. Uh. I guess I don't know. They all team up. We get a they recap re- the last you know. few
0: issues for the benefit of the Moira McTaggart Islanders, and um, then they decide
1: Moira. That- some well, and then they also say like, "Hey, we think that they're after Proteus," and Moira gives them sort of the background of like, "Hey, the X Men have fought Proteus,
0: and there he died." A- shocking panel where she says i allowed my son to know the kind of peace and tranquility and death that he'd never known in life so we know that she chose to let him die and there's a reaction shot panel which is just just completely glorious and terrible which one's that uh the one where domino looks sad um oh
1: yes 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 yes
0: yep moira's in the background i guess that's proteus Looks like Sean. Uh, like uh, it looks like Sean.
1: Right. It looks like, uh, uh, like a Mar- zombie Sean. <laughs> Marvel Zombies uh, Banshee. Yeah. Absolutely
0: does. Yep. And everybody just looks like what? Or oh no, that's so sad. Except I like I like the Domino. Except especially for po- she ex- just looks silly. Except for Polaris. Right? Just, well, Polaris serves to be angry. Yeah, um, and she's just here to beat things up. Yeah,
1: and uh, uh. Thunderbird there, he's uh at, he's looking at Polaris like he doesn't trust her.
0: <laughs> Nor should he.
1: He shouldn't, but...
0: Uh, Cable and Cannonball also look very angry about this news.
1: Eh, I feel like Cable is sort of like, I don't know, not as forlorn as Domino, but he's like angrily sad. Okay. And uh, Cannonball just sucked on a lemon.
0: And Cannonball looks like he's like, oh man, that must have been really hard for her to have to do. Yeah.
1: So then we get the recap of the X Men fighting and ultimately helping to defeat Proteus.
0: Um, they mentioned that Proteus's weakness is metal, which will come in to play in X Factor number annual six.
1: And uh, that's when Brigadier Alessand Stewart from the War Weird Happenings Organization calls up.
0: I guess just because Fabian wants to tie this to Excalibur, since it's another Excalibur uh, team that. Doesn't have anything to do with this, and didn't get an annual this year, I don't know,
1: sure, well, England's close to Scotland, so
0: they got that World War three uh book, I think, which we should probably cover at some point, yeah maybe maybe some maybe in a couple weeks, I don't know,
1: <laughs> so yeah, the all three teams are like, well, we better get to Edinburgh, and that's when we cut over to the mountain chalet in which like we think this is Gideon right, he's got the bald head and the top knot we. So we, we thought this was Gideon.
0: I speculated yeah. that it was Toad, and then you convinced me that it was Mastermind. Um, oh, did
1: I? Well, yeah. I'm, I'm wrong. Uh, and I don't know if, yeah, I mean, the only thing, why would I call it Mastermind?
0: Uh, because in the last issue, he had a, uh, he had a little cloak thing. Mm. And you were like, that cloak thing looks like Mastermind, and Toad wouldn't be doing this. And I was like, yeah, you're right.
1: Right. I still maintain that Toad would not be engaging in whatever's happening here, uh, but the Gideon guy does... I can't remember if it's here or somewhere else, but he does refer to this man as Mortimer, which is yeah. Toad's name. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would have... sort of reading this with fresh eyes, like, back in the day, I don't know if I would have made that connection. I'd have been like, oh, that's interesting. That's Toad's name. But this isn't Toad. <laughs> Toad doesn't play chess. He doesn't sit around looking like Beast.
0: Yeah, this is... Uh... Different, but yeah. So I don't,
1: and we'll have to. Talk, I guess we'll have to talk about it when we get to the end. But I don't understand. This I can't remember chess where game. we
0: left off with Toad. I, mean, I know that Toad for a while was trying to uh, go after Scarlet Witch and kidnap her with some Magneto clones. At some point, he Angel opened a uh, circus for him to run. I don't know how far back that's going. <laughs> I don't.
1: Most of that stuff, I I don't. I don't really care about. We can just assume like Toad did some stuff he didn't like it. And now he's playing chess. What I don't understand is why wh- what these two characters have to do with the rest story. The implication, of course, is that they are the ones that are sort of guiding the events, but that doesn't make any sense. And maybe- yes and yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't. I couldn't remember if they had cleared that up in the pages of X Factor, but there is. I won't call it a payoff, but a finality to the game. And I was still like, I don't, I don't know what happened here.
0: <laughs> they are exactly as you said. They're the the running this behind the scenes, which is fine for Gideon because we just met him. He can be doing whatever he wants. Sure. And and maybe they're just doing a new chapter with Toad, where he's somehow different than he was before.
1: Sure. Well, so maybe
0: that's, I don't know. It, the implication is that Toad now. Well, we'll get to it when we get to okay. it. Okay. So they, yeah, uh, the
1: three teams fly off to Edinburgh. They start fighting uh peace well i start fighting harness
0: yeah and that's when uh we get some fighting
1: it's a lot of fighting Uh, but um the piecemeal is is so big now and uh he, he now he can't even speak properly he's got a little bit of a speech impediment because he's just so big and he's so full uh, and he's begging, he's begging them to kill him, like um, kill me if you have to. Yep. And so they devise this plan that takes. Which I don't m-
0: understand whatsoever, but
1: <laughs> many many pages of anybody
0: who can put up a teak shield. There's a lot of mentions of teak stuff, which I'm like, I know teak short for telekinetic, right. but still, what what does that even mean?
1: I, I I don't know if they're it. It seemed to me. And I probably have this wrong, that they wanted one of the characters to put a teak shield around everybody.
0: So that's a Legion. They get Legion to call Jack out, yeah. Jack Wayne, to put teak shields around everybody that's inside of a magic bubble that they just created.
1: Well, that's the first shield that I'm talking about. I think, I think Marvel Boy does that. Or maybe- so
0: Marvel Boy and Speedball are somehow working together to create... The first teach right. shield,
1: right? The what? The big one that goes around all of them.
0: Yeah, and then the next part of the
1: plan is that they need somebody, Legion, to create individual shields for, for each he, of them that are he,
0: inside the bubble. Yep.
1: And he's like, "I'm not going to do that because I don't want to let let them out." And uh, is it Moira? I think yes. it's Moira. She's like, "You better do it, or I'm going to kill you." And then <laughs> that guy will die. Which so is like,
0: she's, she's pretty. Uh, maybe she's still under the influence a little bit.
1: I guess, but it's sort of out of character, I think, for Legion to bend to that, unless maybe this is the weak personality. I don't know. Yeah. And then there's another contrivance here where Madrox is going to split into multiple of himself to uh, grab onto each limb. And he's going to have his own teak shield. And somehow all of this is going to, like
0: like, counter the
1: expansion. I don't know.
0: I'm not sure what multiple man is doing. That's where I kind of lost the the plot here. Is like, so it would appear that he's holding each of his limbs as you described, except mm. one one for the head. Yeah, I'm not sure why. Um,
1: I I thought it was like it's like a it's like a pressure thing. We'll we'll do like one one thing to to create a pressure bubble in in the giant bubble, but then we'll do all these individual bubbles to like counteract that pressure to 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 push back on on piecemeal so that he doesn't explode. I don't know. A lot of pages to set all of this stuff up. Uh, And
0: and then it turns to just kind of science gobbledygook where it's like we have to terminate a high frequency microwave emission throughout the dome. Yeah. uh, In order to... Do what?
1: I, I think Firestar, maybe she does that.
0: Yeah. Keep the field saturated. It'll help disrupt the Proteus energy wavelength. Sure. <laughs> were just throwing words into the uh, wavelength. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll be using the dampening pad to absorb the energies the boy's already taken in. And she's got like a little like CPR unit or something. Uh, yeah. The, the, they're always having TV shows where somebody's being brought back to life and it's like clear just def- got one of those things the
1: defibrillator yeah
0: the defibrillator thank you yeah
1: and then uh marvel boy he's he's falling apart here he's 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 holding it together he's like bleeding out of his mouth bleeding out of his nose like this is a
0: lot of pressure on him yeah apparently this is a lot of like this this amazing plan is very hard on everybody i guess yeah <laughs> and then outside
1: the bubble cables given orders of like all right go get harness so, so they're doing that.
0: They do that.
1: I just it, And then the panels just kind of go crazy, and there's a lot of horizontal lines. People are getting Finish punched though.
0: off. Says Cable and Cannonball. I thought they learned last issue that it was a lady. The harness was a lady. No. Because well, Cannonball, I thought Cannonball was like, wait, hey, she had a, a female voice or something.
1: Well, they, they forgot about that. That was a thing that, that
0: happened. Okay.
1: <laughs> as As noted at the end of, I think, this issue or the next issue. Okay. but yeah there's uh, uh they, they they punch um uh harnesses on the ground somebody knocks her into the, it's a her she's a her knocks her into the air and cables like stand back everybody you gotta attack in unison and he aims his gun but then i guess below all of that or above the battle scene marvel boy has given up too much pressure can't keep the shield up head splitting he falls to his knees.
0: It's not working, and Legion uh, drops his teak shields, and Moira explains he couldn't take the telepathic strain of piecemeal's pain. Everyone clear out. Clear out now. Uh,
1: And then he explodes. Oh, I guess it was this issue. Uh, uh, Thunderbird punches, harnesses mask off, and he's like, huh? It was a woman inside the armor.
0: Jeremy, this is Warpath
1: now. Sorry, Warpath. My bad. Um. Which it's just such a 90s thing to be like, oh, my God, what a twist. It's a woman.
0: Yeah. I mean, it (laughs) works better in movies. Does not Even though, I mean, when it still worked, which is, (laughs) you know, a long time ago.
1: (laughs) I don't think it's worked in a while. But it works
0: better in movies.
1: It worked really good in Return of the Jedi. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. that. Yeah, I guess it, this is a product of its time. Comic books, in my opinion, uh, they they kind of held on to tropes a little bit longer than TVs and movies. So,
0: well, this is like Fabian Nesisia probably grew up with some, you know, sure up and coming stuff. He probably grew up with the Return of the Jedi. He's trying to make his name, and yep. he's turned into a lot of old tropes. That you know, I don't know. This maybe back, maybe reading this as a kid, you'd be more uh, inclined to be surprised. Maybe. I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess. Like now, it is I'm like okay,
1: uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, anyways, it it explo- or um it it expands There's a big explosion. Um, then piecemeal cries out, "Mommy, help me, please, Bobby." And we find out that uh, Harness is piecemeal's mother. So that kind of surprised me. Yeah, I was like, okay. Well. I
0: was like, wow, you're a terrible mom. <laughs>
1: Yeah, hold it inside or you'll ruin everything. Bobby, I can't, I can't. Uh, and then he explodes, releasing Proteus.
0: Yes. So now Gilbert Benson and Kevin McTaggart are piecemeal and Proteus. I mean, really, they're just Proteus.
1: Hello, mothers. He And I didn't know if this was like a, like a forward thinking, because it's a panel of Moira, Cable, uh, Harness, Warpath, Boom Boom, Legion, and Cannonball. And then he says hello, mothers, and goodbye because th- in theory all of these people collaborated inadvertently to revive Proteus. Uh, so I didn't know if he was referring to all of these folks, male and female, as his mothers or or not. But either way, I, I like to think that he is, and and I that's a neat touch, sort of I just breaking it those was gender and
0: harness, but you know, uh, it's
1: that's... just the way the panels are laid out with all of these different characters. Now if it. In my opinion, if I was the layout person in charge of layouts and I wanted the audience to be conveyed that it was Moira and Harness, I would have just had two panels of Moira and Harness and then have them say hello, mothers. But To have all of these people here who I guess Boom Boom wasn't really involved in this plan at all, (laughs) uh, but have all these people listed in front of him and have him say hello, mothers uh, makes sense. So I want to say that it was forward thinking of like you don't have to be a woman just to be a mother.
0: I'm gonna have something. to disagree with you because none of these people had anything to do with him becoming Proteus.
1: Moira did, in Legion.
0: Uh, no, not really. And uh,
1: and and Harness. I mean,
0: Harness definitely yes. Um, but the plan that Moira had was to not create Proteus. Yeah. So all, all of that stuff they had in- nothing to do with him becoming Proteus.
1: Well, or the inadvertent actions of all of the things that they did were required in order to release Proteus.
0: Now you're stretching.
1: <laughs> I am. I will definitely admit that I'm stretching <laughs> to make my uh, uh, 2022 uh, 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 story work.
0: I think that Proteus was inevitable and everything that Moira did was useless. Um,
1: that's possible and probably likely. Anyways, uh, so that's the end of the X-Men thing here. Um can briefly talk about Part two of the Freedom Force story.
0: Do you want to dive into that, or do you want to keep going with this main story and come back to it, or I don't, I don't know.
1: know? Because Marvel Unlimited is such a pain to navigate. We could do that though. Let's go. Well, my Marvel
0: Unlimited doesn't even have the backup stories okay. for X Men Annual, so I have to like move over to the old desktop-a-reno. areno. <laughs> All
1: right, we'll finish off the X Factor story and then we'll, uh, we'll come back to the there. the
0: Freedom Force story.
1: Um. So yeah, X-Factor annual number 6.
0: I mean, this won't take long because mostly it's just a bunch of green panels.
1: Oh my gosh, this was uh this was a skimmer for me for sure. Um the X-Factor shows up. Um they do talk to Captain America, somebody and Captain Britain. I'm not sure who's in the middle.
0: Uh that's the uh Russian Captain America guy. Okay. He's I don't know, he's not Captain Russia, but oh, he's there he somebody. Is.
1: Yeah, a oh, Red Guardian. Sure. yeah, Yeah. so they they are alerted to a crazy happenings over there across the pond, so they fly there and they're like, This is weird. It's uh it's reality's been changed into horizontal lines.
0: A grid yeah. <laughs> the Someone decided that Proteus was going to be creating a computer sort of simulation. So the artist just took this to be a bunch of graph paper lines uh, and green, lots and lots of green. And, you know, I'm not going to say that I would have a much better idea what to do for a crazy Proteus type thing. But it doesn't make this issue any easier to follow when the backgrounds are just filled with green streaky lines with graph paper. Yeah. Um, I guess the implication of this first page is that this is like a world important event oh, happening sure. in Edinburgh. Thank you. And uh, Captain America, Red Guardian and Captain Britain are like, should we go there? And Cyclops is like, nah, I've dealed with Proteus, whoever. He doesn't know who it is before. I've dealed with who I think this is before. So you guys can just hang out. <laughs> <laughs>
1: we got this.
0: Yeah, This feels like if I'm Captain America or any of those other guys, I'm like, Okay, um, we're going to come anyway. Right. Just in case. We'd like to save the planet, and we don't want to leave it up to just the five of you. I mean, you know, it's not that we don't trust you guys. It's just that we want to help. Yeah, there's strength in numbers. (laughs) The uh, other
1: interesting thing here is they're flying around in what looks like the Blackbird. So I don't know if this is like a a new X-Factor jet or if they were able to get the X-Men's Blackbird. But it doesn't matter because as it enters into Proteus's reality, it
0: it falls apart. Yeah, it's gone, yeah. And, and Gene has to save him with a teak shield.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of like, what's happening? We should go do some exploration. Weird things are happening. I don't know. This issue was
0: kind of a disaster. It's 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 the it's completely the art's fault, um, <laughs> and I'm and I'm not going to say the art is bad. It's just. When given a task of drawing a kind of imaginative uh, sort of I'd, world that is falling apart at because it's all under control of one person, it's they didn't do they they didn't do a great job.
1: I'd call it it's high concept. Like we want to do this this sort of conceptual thing that that is rarely seen uh, in medium. And so yeah, from the artist's perspective, you're like, oh okay. Well, the only thing I know about computers is i guess graph paper and squares uh and green because uh you know when i grew up computers all had green screens yeah so in order to do in my opinion uh, this story the high concept of reality has been turned into sort of like a computer simulation i think you need time (laughs) to really sort of like work out like well this is what i'm thinking and have like you know your creative team be like nope that looks like a disastrous mess let's Let's rethink this. Let's go watch Tron. Let's go watch some other medium, and let's see if we can take the best of those elements uh, and come up with something that you know our audience can follow. Because I don't know. This ain't it. <laughs> Iceman melts at one point, but turns out he's just underwater.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. He melts through the floor. So I thought he was turning into a puddle, but then it turns out it's just the puddle was beneath him. I thought that was kind of a cool thing to have Iceman melt. But then they didn't actually do it. Yeah, they figure out pretty quickly that it's Proteus. Um... After a lot of, like, if this is who I think it is, Mm -hmm. oh, man, I sure hope it's not who I think it is. I was hoping I would be wrong. Oh, you weren't wrong, Cyclops. (laughs) You know one of our mothers, Moira McTaggart. My other mother is Erica Benson. She prefers to be called Harness. I didn't know which side to place each of them on from a political or biblical standpoint, that is. I, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I
1: still want my narrative to exist where it was a team of people who collaborated unwittingly to become his mother.
0: I wasn't going to say anything, but I think this definitively po- proves that you were absolutely wrong.
1: No, I, it does. I, I agree <laughs> with that. But that's just poor planning on Fabian Nassizia's part. But, you know. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So beast- for those of you who do not know us, our name is Proteus. Yeah uh beast fashions himself some metal gauntlets because he's going to punch proteus because metal is the thing that defeats him which
0: is great uh it's you know forward thinking mm-hmm. they remembered it was shown us last issue what happened and uh but then it doesn't work because no. proteus that that no longer works uh we were defeated in our previous life by such an assault uh our energy form is no longer allergic to metal it's over you've lost
1: that's so. that and then we cut over to Aim in a a dimly lit, also green illuminated uh, boardroom.
0: Yeah, uh, they're talking about how Harness is no longer trustworthy. Trustworthy, or I guess we, they don't usable. really know what to do about her. Yeah, um,
1: I, I guess it was a plan. Aim was maybe manipulating Harness to do something for them.
0: They built like a suit that was going to, uh, I guess hold all of the Proteus energy and then I suppose they were going to control that suit. Sure. But they never got to that stage. And then we cut over to the Toad and Gideon chessboard in progress where it's kind of the implication is that they're they're equally matched as far as intellect goes, which makes Gideon look pretty bad. Yeah. But uh It's
1: this issue in which uh Gideon calls him uh Mortimer. And okay. I feel like the the artistic choice to shroud Gideon in shadows doesn't really make sense because we just met him, and he has such a distinct haircut that as soon as you see his shadow, you're like, well, that's Gideon. Toad sort of works because we just haven't seen him in so long that that's kind of not who you're really thinking about.
0: Well, it obviously worked because we were like, I think that's Toad. And you were like, I think it's Mastermind. Yeah. So it was obviously played on our, you know knowledge of stuff.
1: Well, the other thing is like you don't shroud and we're learning this on the Patreon, right? There's a there's a a character in the new run of X-Men who is continually shrouded in darkness. And we're like, well, if he's shrouded in darkness, that must mean he's somebody that we know or he's got like a horribly disfigured face or something like that. So the parallel here is that this whole scene, every time we see them, they're shrouded in shadow, which means they are somebody that we have we have dealt with before uh, and and it should be somewhat mysterious, even though Gideon's not anyways yeah they they continue to play chess and they call maybe, themselves it, the uh, kings of pain,
0: yeah which they explain at the end of the issue but um maybe maybe the artist was like, well we got to keep toad in shadow should I just expose Gideon and then Fabian was like, well no just keep them both in shadow and uh you know the reveal will be that it's toad sure and Gideon's just a byproduct of that. Although I don't sure. know why it's a big deal that it's Toad either.
1: <laughs> Unless maybe Fabian, as you mentioned, Fabian Nassizi's got a, like a, an elaborate plan for what th- we're going to do with Toad.
0: I think he does because I think both of these characters are important for X-Force plot lines. Sure. Uh, and I know, I know Toad is. Okay, I don't I, remember. And I'm assuming because Rob Liefeld then created Gideon that he also will be.
1: So, everybody is winked into existence, or I guess X, sorry, X-Factor is brought to the place where all the other teams
0: are. Proteus has like a little pocket dimension or something where he's just keeping all of everybody.
1: I like how they refer to that pocket
0: dimension as otherware. I was like, that that's mean. I like that. Uh, there was some connections to Limbo, which, oh, no, wait, I'm thinking of Excalibur. Never I, mind.
1: Yes, you are. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but sure, we can call this limbo. Doesn't matter. No, uh,
0: yeah, I'm I'm just combining things. So then I read everything last night, so it's all kind of blurring together.
1: We get yet another rehash of everything that's been going on that has led up to this moment, and uh, yeah,
0: you know. I guess you need these. I, I I really don't think you do. If you're buying this annual, you probably bought the other three. But if you even if you didn't, I don't know. I, like, we're we're midway through the story. We don't really need to know how it happened. But, Every okay. comic could be somebody's first comic. I guess <laughs> it just takes up a page. It's just a waste of a page. But whatever, this whole comic is kind of a waste of several pages. Um, it's too bad, too, because like uh, the 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 uncanny issue, uncanny X Men issue wasn't wasn't bad. I feel like it was actually going somewhere. Mm-hmm. This one just goes nowhere.
1: Oh, this is where things really kind of get confusing, so Jean wants to borrow uh legion's telep oh tele- telepathy because she's like, Oh, yeah. I could figure this out if I had my telepathy, but I don't have it anymore, and so they're we gonna also, try to do some power transfer here, but I think it backfires
0: we We also learned that that this Proteus has turned Edinburgh into uh a mathematical a reality of mathematical structure and order and uh we've learned that he was, he only ever found peace when he was in his discorporated state of death. So they're going to try to convince him using telepathy to go back to that state of, uh, I guess the telepathy is just to show everybody that this is where he was happiest. Mind over matter, mind your manners, link brains,
1: link minds, Lancelot, link security chimp is what Legion says. And, and, that's and fun. He shows everybody the mathematical equation, I guess. Loneliness, desolation, isolation, pain. See how
0: they run like pigs from a gun. See how they fly. He's doing Beatles lyrics. Yeah. Um, which is.
1: It's a through line. Yeah. but another story. I that.
0: <laughs> uh, so he was happy here. The energy wavelengths Proteus' body disincorporated into took on patterns and reason and structures to individuals so he's trying to make the outside world like his death world which was i don't know whatever anyway they have to convince him to go back to that and there's a there's a lot of argument back and forth which doesn't really work because it's kind of hard to follow um and people seem to change like at some point cable's like i agree with what you guys are planning to do but then they do it and he's like i don't agree with what you guys did and I was kind right. of just a change of character in the in the same issue
1: because they're they eventually their plan is like we need to we need to convince him to commit suicide right uh and yeah there's a little bit of division but they're ultimately like well if it solves the problem we'll do it but let's try other things uh and i don't they convince him to commit suicide and cable i think is mad at cyclops which i thought was going to be a neat thing um In which we would get some sort of a reveal where the Cyclops says, this isn't the time or place. Let it go. I let it go a long time ago, Summers. And I was like, what are they talking about? But then I realized he's just talking about something that happened like two panels ago. Right. (laughs) Like Cable's mad. Like, we can't make him commit suicide. Fine. (laughs) Do what you have to. I know I just jumped by a bunch of pages, but this this is a... This issue is a
0: nightmare. <laughs> it's just it's just very hard to follow. I mean, I'm I'm skimming through it now, and it looks like Jean Grey is on the side of we should we should help Proteus and not have him commit suicide. And that, so I guess now Cable agrees with Jean Grey. I agree with Grey. Right. So maybe I maybe I was maybe I just when I read it the first time I misunderstood I what was happening.
1: My interpretation or my understanding was there were people on the in the group. Uh, that were staunchly against having him commit suicide yeah. but would get on board if necessary and then there were folks like Cyclops who were like yeah, we let's not try to make him commit suicide, but if we got to do it we're going to do it. So there were some people that were okay-ish with it, other people who were not okay with it but could get on board if that makes any sense. And then ultimately they just get on board. right? And we'll never talk about this again.
0: <laughs> and Jean Grey and Cable are apparently on the team that don't Want to lead him down that path? Which beast comments on? I understood. I understood your preferred adage has always been: "In order to save the village, we had to burn it." And B- uh, Cable says, "You don't know anything about me, McCoy. Leave it at that." <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: I don't know so they—they
0: they don't know how they're going to get out of there, but conveniently, Proteus at that point pulls them all out of there. Yeah, and they're like,
1: "Well," Cable does a little plea here. He's like. Uh, look at us, boy! Look at us! One way or the other, we're all freaks, outsiders, and outcasts. Trying to trying to uh, make a plea. Which they're just trying. Work.
0: I guess they're they're trying to convince uh, Proteus that there's a, a they can create a permanent body, a host body, and maybe he can just live a normal life. And he's like, "There's no normal life for me." Can you not see all the green? <laughs> yeah. Yep you don't You don't need to do this, something good can come from this. They were working on a humanoid shell casing to put your energy form in. You wouldn't need to be to use human beings as host bodies and
1: does harness sacrifice herself or
0: no? I don't think so.
1: also, piecemeal is not dead, or maybe he only exists in this reality. Well Proteus is oh yeah, inside of Piecemeal. 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 who's now shrunk back to a, a boy
0: size, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to follow. <laughs> it's very hard to follow. If it sounds hard to follow uh the podcast right now, it's because this issue is it's just a lot of dialogue um that doesn't really mean anything and a lot so of I, I,
1: just strange imagery.
0: Yeah, and the and the imagery like all the backgrounds are green and weird and lines and stuff. So it doesn't it doesn't really give you any sort of sense of where they are or who's talking to who. Uh, So it's just not it's not it's not I mean, a a better podcast would have prepared to describe this in a better way, but we like to wing it. So this is definitely (laughs) I don't know. This is not a good issue to wing (sighs) what I'm saying. I think this issue is impossible to win.
1: I think it, somebody could maybe take a deep dive analysis, take a bunch of notes, and I think it would be the most boring thing ever. <laughs> Possibly.
0: Um, well, at the end of the day, I don't think – I think it would be like a very quick summary because <laughs> ultimately this is a lot of talk of, around a very simple thing um, that – it's and it's just – the whole thing is just filler. Uh, so –
1: I'm just trying to piece together like h- how they resolve this whole thing. So uh Gene is trying to uh reach out to him. Moira is trying to reach out to him. They're all like, you know, y- do you want to kill us? Moira was like, "Hey, I wish I could have given you the life you needed, but I couldn't." Uh life isn't perfect. We really tried to make it happen and then Um, Harness comes out and she's like, "You're as much of a freak as you ever were, Gilbert. A little piecemeal, pieces of weakness, pain, confusion, stupidity. All you ever did was take from me." And then Cannonball punches Harness or punches Proteus, I think. Actually, he says, "Shut up, Harness!" And I think punches Harness. Gosh darn it! (laughs) Shut up, Harness, and punches Proteus. Uh, and at that point, he's like, oh, we understand. We'll, we'll never be normal. Okay, here, everything can go back to the way it was. Proteus out.
0: I think he, I think Cannonball is trying to punch Harness, but Proteus stops him.
1: So, th- th- and then I th- think
0: that's what we're seeing there. Because we see a panel where Proteus is in the foreground. Mm-hmm. His hand is reached out towards Cannonball. Um, we see Cannonball. Looks like he mm-hmm. just took a swing. Mm-hmm. We see Nova behind them for some reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Harness is not in the panel. So in the previous panel, she was directly in front of Proteus. Yeah. So I'm thinking what we're seeing here is just Cannonball not even taking a swing at Harness. He's just saying, shut up, Harness. And then... Proteus is turning his attention toward Cannonball and it does, tossing him aside.
1: Yeah, it does kind of look like he's uh, – looks like Proteus is turning his head towards Cannonball. Yeah. So maybe – but anyways, this, this is what seems to, re- like, resolve the whole problem. And what I – I know it's probably kind of tropey, but it, it might have been an interesting take for Harness to – reach out to her son and be like, oh, I've been a terrible mom. I've taken advantage. Of you. I'm so sorry. I made you do all this stuff. And it was for selfish reasons. And if there's anything I could do to make it better, I wouldn't blah. blah. And then she does the whole sacrifice, sacrifice thing uh, somehow to resolve a problem within this weird world. And at that point, Proteus is like, oh, the love of a mother never dies or something like that here. Everything's back to normal. While that would have been kind of campy and kind of tropey, um, at least it would have been something that we recognize and could follow. <laughs> but I don't know what happens. He just decides like, eh, whatever, you can, I just can have your land back.
0: And that's the problem, is that you have 30-some pages of the heroes trying to decide what to do, and then ultimately the villain just decides, okay, I'm just going to stop and go somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, but,
1: and, that,
0: and that's how it ends. And there's, there's a lot of, you know, discussions with Moira, discussions with Harness about and him trying to Understand where his place is in this world, and eventually he decides that he has no place in this world, and therefore he's going to leave it.
1: And as far it all
0: all adds up to just an amount of nothing that leads up to uh, Proteus just doing his own thing.
1: Yeah, and as far as I can tell, there's there's very little consequence. So. We don't get a redemption of Harness, who's just been an awful person. I mean, take into consideration that Harness is Peacefield's mother. So there's no redemption there. It's basically um, the teams take Harness into custody. Like, we're going to put you in jail. Uh, they have sort of a like a wrap-up conversation. Shadow King returns.
0: <laughs> as, yeah, so Shadow King drops in. As depicted um, above Moira's head. So, but he, he he depict he he shows up at a very critical point where Cable. So, the assumption is that uh, Proteus did commit suicide. I guess, although I didn't read it that way, I read it more as he just said he was going somewhere else. Sure. So that could be anything. Yeah. Uh, but Cable takes it as he committed suicide. So he's like, we can't make it that easy. Arneson could understand, but Mora, didn't you even care for your own son? And then we get a panel of her – she sheds a tear. She's like, I cared enough to know I couldn't give him what he needed. And then, then we get a – the Shadow King is above her head, apparently returning from his little mini vacation. <laughs> and uh, so I don't know if like it's – the implication is that she let Proteus kill himself because Shadow, of Shadow King's influence or is it just a panel of literally Shadow Kings just returning in this adventure?
1: Yeah, like he should have like in his little his little spiky hand thing that's coming off the the side of him. There should be like a little suitcase <laughs> with a little thought balloon of like, boy, I needed that Bahamas vacation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I don't know. Cyclops says maybe maybe. Just maybe <laughs> he'll be happier without humanity than he ever was with it.
0: Didn't Fabian do that before? Maybe, just maybe. maybe I feel like just maybe. <laughs> I feel like that was in the pages of New Mutants. But we'll never know that, will we, Summers? Because we did everything we could to take that choice away from him. No, no, Cable. You did nothing. You, you did, did nothing. Did nothing. <laughs> you stood there. Nobody did anything. All of you just had discussions. <laughs> all, you did, all you did was discuss the morality of. Of being around <laughs> and then this is where we get uh,
1: the only consequence uh, and we'll all have to live with that decision panel panel but Kevin McTaggart and Gilbert Benson had to die with it and then we see a little
0: shoe in the foreground which... and we see uh, his his t-shirt toxic parents oh yeah we the, see the first too. annual so
1: I don't know it's comics
0: go. and it's it feels like none of these guys would be like well he definitely died I think it would be like, do we really know that he died? Right. I, he kind of said he was just going to go somewhere else. Yeah. Like, he literally said that. Yeah. He's probably hanging out with the Beyonder for all we know. Yeah. Yeah. We've seen some stuff.
1: Um, yeah. We should probably keep our eyes open for the return of Proteus because apparently he's very powerful and he can do bad stuff and he's unhinged. But no, we get sort of a morality lecture about how we didn't do anything to stop him from taking his own life.
0: Well, that's true. They didn't do anything. But they didn't have
1: well, – yeah, <laughs> they just stood around and talked. Yeah. No, <laughs> For true. many, many pages. Proteus, you know, the the, the backstory is really – Proteus is like, these guys are so boring. The only way <laughs> I can get out of this situation is if I return everything back to normal and I just discorporate and go off into space. It's
0: like, shut up.
1: <laughs> so then Proteus we go back – out. We go back to uh, Manhattan and AIM – is is here they they sort of do their sort of uh debrief talk about um harness has been artist, taken by yeah. the
0: authorities uh Emma's wondering if she she's gonna talk apparently she's apparently not going to for some reason apparently she's also got a daughter who's only seven years old oh Don't that's where right, or that has been, but you know it's I guess it's important to put in little things in case you want to continue this storyline ever. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, it's probably just motivation for, you know, uh, Pete, or uh, harness will never flip on us. Why? Well, because we have our daughter. Yeah. Uh, okay. Story over. And then we go back to the Vale, Colorado, in which it's determined that this game is a draw and, uh, and it's illumin- lights are illuminated for some reason, I guess, uh, I guess uh, Gideon has a remote control there, and he turns the lights on, and he says... I guess so. <laughs> uh, yeah. He says, I had wanted aim to mass-produce Proteus as the ultimate tool in my control of this planet's economic structure. You sought to integrate his tortured psyche and formidable powers to participate in your mutant brotherhood. So this <laughs> whole game, I guess somehow the winner of it was going to get the outcome that they desired?
0: I guess so. Um I'm not I'm not sure how that works since it didn't really work out for anybody, but
1: so I'm all for like the the spatial or the the um you know you know uh, in the fall of the mutants you had sort of these these godlike creatures playing a a chess like game on another plane of reality. I was like, that makes sense. Right? They're playing a game of chess and, and we are but pawns playing out in their game and and maybe a uh, uh chaos uh can occur in which like the whole game is disrupted and swayed to a different direction. But that's all sort of drawing upon like this idea that there are gods in the universe and there's another plane and, and that sort of has a relationship with uh with our plane. This is just two guys sitting in a chalet playing chess. What sort of mystical abilities would these chess pieces have uh, against the actual actions
0: that are occurring on our planet? Uh, You know, none. (laughs) Uh, So in reading the dialogue, I'm trying to understand what's going on. And it seems like whatever, somehow both of these people have connections to AIM. And they're playing a chess game. Whoever wins the chess game gets to decide what AIM does with the Proteus Energy assuming that They were able to collect the Proteus energy which they weren't Right um, I don't understand why Toad Says it was a good gambit for both Of us because doesn't only one of Them win I guess I guess that's What they mean by gambit it was it was worth It for both of us to play this chess game Because whoever wins Gets a really great deal uh, Indeed but there's always tomorrow To the kings of life the Kings of death and everything in between the kings of pain. So they're the kings of pain. And Toad runs the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants now. I'm not sure why his limited... Like, it seems kind of limited for him to be like, I just want Proteus to be on the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. That's kind of lame. But it's Toad, so I guess that goes with his MO.
1: I don't know what ultimately happens with Fabian Nesizia's writing, talents, or abilities. But to me, this feels like a a young story uh you know yeah. i'm gonna do this big sweeping story over 120 comic book pages and it's gonna have all these you know uh, some societal commentary we're gonna have some symbolism with the chess game and we're gonna have like an evil corporation masterminding the whole thing uh but it just you know it it's it's like if you, you know, and I, I I don't want this to be, you know, too judgmental, but, you know, I, I feel like it's a similar story that I would have written when I was maybe 16 years old. And I would have gotten done with it and I've been like, oh, man, it's so deep. <laughs> but then when you start picking it apart, you're like, oh, well, yeah I guess I don't know why the guys playing chess at Shelley have anything to do with anything. Because, you know, unless they're watching TV and moving their pawns and pieces and parts in tandem with however that news story is falling apart, they don't have sway over anything.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of ultimately the problem with this is that ultimately Proteus decided for himself what he wanted to do and they had absolutely no say in it.
1: Again, going back to that, the fall of the mutants, like, um, what's her face? The, uh, the, I can't remember her name, but she shows up, meets up with Peter Rasputin and says like, she takes, she steals the Colossus piece from the board and basically inserts him into the game, as sort of a rogue piece. But again, that, that, that goes to that whole astral plane and they're, they're equally playing this, this uh, chess game. Um, and that makes a lot more sense, but this didn't make any sense. This was trying yeah. to be that, but not really understanding why that worked. I think.
0: So going forward, I think, I, I guess we just, all we know coming out of this chess game is that both Gideon and Toad now have connections to aim. And that Toad is running the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants for whatever reason.
1: Now that you or mentioned... I guess n-
0: maybe not even Evil Mutants. It just says his mutant brotherhood. Right. So maybe they're just the brotherhood now.
1: Yeah. And actually, that's... I think will tie into the follow-up to these annuals, uh, because I do actually now remember the X-Force stories that feature Toad. Yeah. I don't remember them featuring Toad, to be honest. I remember... One of I the, do. One of the covers featuring Blob.
0: And he's back in his normal uh, toad gear. Okay.
1: Well, since we're here, let's talk about the uh, the Mystique backup story, which is, is actually pretty good. It's written
0: by Peter David, so... Uh, I didn't care for this one. Oh, you didn't? I, th- I like, thought it was like, cute. I do like these tributes that Peter David does. This one I thought was the weakest of the three.
1: Let me... So, to summarize briefly, because there's many pages uh, to, to, uh, to basically do what is basically a joke... Um Mystique as Raven is is on a cruise. She's very unhappy. There's this guy who's like, Hey, great night for picking up chicks, right? So guess I'm in the right place. Which is the worst pickup line I think I've ever heard. <laughs> it's
0: just weird.
1: Yes. And so when she's like she's holding an urn and she's like, No, my best friend's right here, and he's like, Oh, never mind. Hey, sweetheart, no, you over there. Yeah, great night for cruising chicks. So I'm in the right place, huh? Anyways, uh, that was kind of stupid. So she's got a note that says, to be opened by Raven Darkholm at exactly 10 o'clock. The,
0: the joke is that they're on a cruise. So he's, 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 he's a little pick a is related so. to a, a cruise.
1: So she's got a picture of an angry-looking Raven Darkholm with a very happy-looking uh, destiny. And so she flashes back, and they were on... I don't know. What, well, uh, uh, they're on a romantic cruise, I guess.
0: Well, the the... the... The note says to be open. it's a it's a letter that says to be opened by Raven Darkholm shortly before she scatters my ashes at sea at ten PM precisely. Yeah, I get all that. But when we flashback that, it's just an important uh, it's an important point that she that uh destiny told her exactly when she needs to throw the ashes.
1: Right. So the flashback is uh Raven and Destiny on a cruise. And I'm just gonna assume they're 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 romantically engaged. Like they don't seem to really say it.
0: No, they don't because it's, it's the '90s wide. and it's it's too soon. But you know, moving forward in time, we can just say at this point they're married yeah. because we know now that it's been established that they're married. So they're, they're on a they're they're on a, a a cruise, a couple's cruise, and they're not getting along particularly.
1: There's even sort of like a not gay implication where. Uh, mystique a, a guy comes up and, and he's like hey i'm your captain captain kirk no jokes please care to dance and she's like no because she's not into it and destiny pushes her towards the man and then mystique later's like why'd you do that i don't want to dance with him she's like well i just wanted to see you smile In all this time i've never heard you laugh and i've never felt you smile
0: which is kind of weird
1: <laughs> it was totally weird it's like why would you marry somebody who's permanently always unhappy um there's also a bit in where she, she turns from her Raven Dark home form to her Mystique form, and a waiter's like, "Oh my god!" And freaks out and uh, it just assumes that he saw the wrong thing. There's mm-hmm. a uh, there's a karaoke singer or a, a crew singer who's singing um, Beatles, uh, Obla oh, oh, Da. indeed, and uh, that factors into this whole thing. Uh, and then she, yeah, they go out onto the deck there, they they talk for a while, and she's like, I, before I leave this earth, or at some point, I will see you laugh, or hear you laugh, rather. Raven goes into bed, Destiny kind of covets the picture a little bit, and that takes us back to, uh, the, the deck in, in present time, and she says, alright, well, I guess, uh, guess I'll do that, I guess I'll throw <laughs> your ashes in, at precisely ten- and she throws the ashes into the air, precisely at 10, in which the wind, you can see by the flag, immediately changes direction and blows the ashes into her face. And uh, it's funny because Mystique is like, oh, ye- oh you know, because Destiny's I mean, obviously a precog. She knew all this stuff was going to happen. Uh, and she she busts out laughing. Yeah. And then she crazily sings the rest of uh, the song.
0: Oh, boy, Oh, boy, Life goes on. And yeah,
1: there's this couple on the deck that are like, "Stay away from that crazy lady."
0: Well, it's the creepy guy.
1: Oh, it is. He's picked up a girl.
0: It's Cruise Guy. Uh,
1: so I thought it was touching. It was a nice kind of bookend to the whole Mystique Destiny story, which obviously is not a bookend.
0: The based so on yeah, what we know now, <laughs> I I don't like I don't like the idea that Destiny has never smiled once during their entire relationship or laughed that just seems like
1: it's contrived it's to make this story work to
0: make right w- what's the punchline here uh, but there's got to be there's got to be other like like you know you didn't you haven't laughed since something sure that would be better like yeah it could have been a little bit more deeper of like do you remember when we went off to
1: france we had such a good time we had all this wonderful food and we laughed and we saw all these these shows and stuff what it's been 20 years or 15 years and i just haven't seen that my raven that that would have been better i agree
0: but i'm assuming it's because they don't know enough about uh destiny and and mystique's relationship at this time sure in comics that they're they're kind of everything feels like they're just kind of implying things not really sure making it go both ways just in case so that it's a very like it it, technically written careful story
1: it yeah it's a it's sort of like a half measure of like well they they could be gay or they could be really good friends right right depending on you know how many angry letters come in (laughs) i guarantee you uh young me would have read that and just been like oh yeah they're they're just really good friends
0: probably me too i mean that's I, i think at the time and not,
1: not for any political reason or anything. It I, just I would think have been like oh growing
0: up in the nineties, I think you're fairly like uh we, we grew up in a small town and we were just unaware of things.
1: Right. But yes, reading them these things with my adult eyes, I'm like, oh no. They they definitely wanted these characters to be married. That's cool. I like that. So, anyways, the Freedom Force story back in um X-Men annual uh number 15 there. The the biggest takeaway is that I, I was wrong. Once again, I, I assumed that there was like some uh Saudi magic person that was just creating a bunch of illusions, but they're like they're like, no, Super Saber's dead. And uh Crimson Commando's arm has been removed and he's dying. And I think we thought Avalanche was dead or one of the other characters was dead, but he kinda he picks himself back up. Yeah. Um Yeah. So there's a bunch of fighting with these characters. And at some point, Blob reminds, I think Blob reminds Pyro of the mission. uh, And Pyro kills their target.
0: Right. The mission is we have to rescue our target. But if we can't rescue the target, we have to kill the target.
1: there's a scene of an armless, and they they do everything in their power to not show the removed arm of Crimson Commando, but there's a scene of him sort of laying on the ground shooting up, and uh, his other arm is, missing arm is on the other side of him. Uh, But then at the end of the issue, um, once again, it looks like Crimson Commando and Avalanche are dead. So you're like, wow, they're just going to kill off all these team members. (laughs) Um, So that's really all that happens in that issue.
0: And then, and then in X Factor number five, we get the face off of uh, Blob and Pyro with the rest of them. It, um, and then it, Avalanche kind of gets back up.
1: Exactly. And it still kind of looks like Crimson Commando might be dead because his hand is just kind of like hanging up in the air. Uh, but he, he, they, he's up. He's fine. He's fine-ish. They have to carry him around.
0: Well, uh, Avalanche is about to leave, and Crimson Commando's like, "Help me! Don't, don't leave me!" And we get a nice panel of Avalanche just kind of like thinking it over. It's like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes over and he picks Crimson Commando up, puts him over his shoulders and goes off, which is like, okay, yeah, that's good on you. Avalanche. And it'll kind of later. Avalanche makes another decision. Yeah. Uh, that is kind of the opposite of that. So, so they're separated. Hard decisions in the middle of war.
1: Yeah. Blob and, uh, Pyro are separated from Crimson Commando and Avalanche. Um, Blob and and uh, Pyro, they're trying to make themselves out t- over to the evac area, wherever that
0: is. Blob gets stabbed by two swords, and then he takes those two swords out of his gut, and he stabs the two people that stabbed him. But you don't see him stab them; you just hear chunk, chunk. I didn't and then know. We, if cut, we cut to another panel, and one of them uh, yeah, is dead right, on the you're ground. Right, you're right. Yep. And uh, the other one is not. He just kind of pulls his sword out of him and he says, Kurtzman is dead. Vale is dead. The Saudi is critically wounded. And that's the one that um, – the Saudi is the one that Blob stabbed. Vale is the one that Pyro burns alive in the previous page.
1: Yeah. (laughs) This is a pretty dark story. It
0: is. Barbecue babe coming up, Pyro says, and then burns a woman alive in a comic book.
1: Yeah. Uh, the, uh, p- Avalanche and Crimson Commando and some soldiers make it to a helicopter, uh, and they're, uh, yeah, they, they make it to the helicopter and they're, they're radioing into Pyro and saying like, okay, we're airborne, give us a fix, we'll come get you, Uh, but then some other attack helicopters come and now they have to make a decision of like, well, what are they going to do? Crimson Commando is going to die if we attempt to land and pick these people up. Uh, or... We can pick them up and crimson commando dies. What are we going to do?
0: They also don't have the target because they killed him. Right. So
1: the mission's a failure. Yeah. For the most part. Well, I guess they killed the target. So that part of the mission's a success, but there's nobody else to really evac because they don't need that person. So Avalanche, once again.
0: And there's a weird little thing where uh, Pyro says, the German is dead. We had to frag him. No choice. Just following orders. And then the pilot says, you had no such orders. This is not good. Making me wonder if like, oh, were those not the orders? (laughs) Did
1: did commando tell them that those were their orders? I don't know. I don't remember. I don't remember because we we get those orders in the very first part of the story, uh, but I can't remember who told them what those orders were. So the soldier asks Avalanche because I guess he's in charge of this mission, (laughs) "What should we do?" And we get a, a similar two page of him or two panel of him thinking, and he finally says. They're not worth it. Bug out now,
0: and they do. And as a result, Blob and Pyro are taken prisoner, um, which is interesting <laughs> to leave our our, our three part story.
1: Well, it's kind of funny, right? Because you know, in a very movie esque scene, you, you see them from the ground, and they're like, "What? What are you doing? What you sons of bitches? What are you?" What? And then uh, the the remaining Saudi super team and a bunch of helicopters surround them. And Pyro's like, well, what do you think? Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? And Blob's like, hell no. (laughs) (laughs) And they raise their hands. Uh, But believe me, somebody's going to pay for this. So I don't know if this is the impetus for the X-Force story or if this is just, this is how we're going to get Blob and Pyro out of Freedom Force. I guess. There's even a line somewhere in there that we missed where... Uh, pyro or blob says like oh i guess this is it for freedom force it was a, so
0: much for freedom force oy.
1: yeah it was not a, a bad scam well it lasted yeah which was like yep that's all it really was <laughs> it was just a way for these evil mutants to just get some get some of that government dole and
0: not go to prison i mean you know once destiny and De- Dest- uh, destiny and mystique are kind of out of freedom force it's pretty much over at that point
1: exactly so that, in my opinion, of all of the annuals, is the best story.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that. <laughs> Things happened. Things happened, <laughs> and you know it lean goes somewhere. I guess so, that's the pro- that's the problem often with that, like, annuals is that they don't they don't really matter.
1: Yes. Well, some <laughs> a lot of but times they used
0: to like annuals used to matter, and they would be like a pivotal sort of story. Like, remember the G.I. Joe yearbooks? Oh, those mattered. Oh, yeah. Those were great.
1: <laughs> um, yeah. A lot of the backup stories seem to either bookend a story like the Destiny thing or or
0: have an implication to a future story. Um, Somewhere when they started doing all the annuals crossovers, I think that's where they stopped kind of mattering. Yes. So let's, now you have to tie into all this other stuff that doesn't really affect your Chronology, and you're just like, ugh, uh, just do this filler story that.
1: Let's make a big, long, standalone story that really doesn't matter about anything. Uh, Yeah, let's talk about Excalibur number 38, which will be mostly you, Adam, because this story and artwork were awful.
0: The artwork is pretty bad. Um, I didn't find it bad enough to not get me through it. It's just. It wasn't an X-factor level, I couldn't follow it sort of thing. This story is fairly simple. This is a Scott Lobdell story, which I believe Fabian Nicieza and Scott Lobdell end up writing all of the X titles at some point. So this is our future. Um,
1: I don't know if the story I, – I don't, I don't want to criticize the story writing at all uh, – uh, the story at all. Um, it's, it's, it's terrible artwork. It's terrible. It's not even stylistic, it's just like
0: it's a style. I mean, oh. you know it's just it's if it's if it's not your cup of tea, that's one thing. I didn't have a problem with it. <laughs> sometimes it's not good sometimes you know, as long as you can make out bodies, I don't really care. I can draw um, a
1: stick figure though, and you'll make out a body. I don't know that that should be the uh the test for whether or not it's good art, but
0: well, no, I'm you know. It's, it's, if you, if you can make, if a, if the perspective looks good and the anatomy looks good, then I don't know, it's fine. Uh, here you can definitely tell that who is who most of the time. Sometimes, sometimes you can't.
1: I would argue that for the most part, you can only tell who people are because of how they're colored. There's one where somebody's like, Hey, babe, and I think it's kitty, but I can't tell because you can't see her costume. Yeah, it's kitty. Okay. Well, so I read up to that part at least. Um, I mean, the short of it is they're 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 in limbo and all these crazy things are happening. You got the West Coast Avengers, you got Excalibur, uh, and they're fighting demonized versions of other heroes and they have to split up is what I took out of the whole thing.
0: The so last issue, Dr. Doom led them, led Excalibur on a mission to uh, limbo where he decided he's going to get this magical Prometheum which he claims he's going to help the world with. But, of course, he betrays them once inside of Limbo and becomes the leader of Limbo, taking Eliana's soul sword. And, yeah, that's when you get all your Marvel monsters who, they at some point, they say, we're just doing what we feel uh, respect the needs of the he-who-rules-our-dimension. So it's they're, like, tapping into Dr. Doom's wants, and that's why all of these Demons look like Marvel superheroes This is fun It's kind of a interesting Psychology of Doctor Doom uh, Meanwhile, West Coast Avengers Have been led by uh, I forget who this lady is The Lady of the Lake From mm-hmm. the, the Excalibur story um, it Brings them over to uh, England Where they bump into What's his name? Pete, Pete oh. Pete What's isn't, the isn't it
1: Alistair?
0: Oh, okay. Pete Wisdom isn't around yet. So this is Alistair, Alistair Stewart. Yes. Yeah. Dr. Alistair Stewart. Okay. Uh, he t- catches West Coast Avengers with what's going on. Uh, somehow they get into limbo. I don't remember how. Let's just say the Lady of the Lake makes it happen. Yeah, I guess so. I really don't know how they get in here, but they do. Um and they break up into, well, first they fight Excalibur, of course, mm-hmm. because that's how Marvel comics work. Um, Captain Britain is kind of buried in the earth. And so he, after the fighting has stopped, he comes up, Wonder Man helps him out. and He's like, ah, I'm going to, I'm going to fight you because I don't realize that we, we stopped fighting these guys. And he think he mistakes Wonder Man for a demon and says that W on your chest should be an S. And where's your cape? Uh-huh. It's, uh, it's hilarious. And Wonder Man says, "I don't know who or what you think I am, but the name is Wonder Man with a W.
1: There's a Batman reference in the upcoming Spider Man issue we'll cover. So they're they're definitely just making DC references left and right.
0: Heck yeah, that's what comics are all about—references to other comics. <laughs> um, they, after the fighting ends, they help. Uh, so Phoenix had been trapped in some sort of loop where she thought she defeated Doctor Doom, but they they help her out of that. They split up into teams of two for some reason. Uh, they have to go and destroy various gates. I guess they're trying to get ahead of Doctor Doom, uh, stealing the Prometheum from. I don't. I don't know what. I don't really. I don't really know what the ultimate end goal of Doctor Doom is yet. At the end of the issue, he stabs the Soul Sword into the heart of Limbo. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know what all these side missions are for, but they're they're destroying gates. Adam, I'll tell you what the side missions
1: are for. They are there to fill pages.
0: Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, so I don't know why they have to destroy the gates, though. But they do. They destroy a bunch of gates. We get a bunch of team ups, um, which are kind of fun if you like that sort of thing. Uh, ultimately, though, it ends with Doctor Doom and some demon who isn't controlled by Doctor Doom because I guess I guess once you once you own Limbo everybody has to follow you including sam gets a mention hmm. um but the uh this one guy doesn't for some reason he's a demon who who openly uh, is against dr doom and they're kind of just like they're hanging out together for some reason he says he's gonna uh kill dr doom but dr doom's just like whatever i don't care huh. <laughs> you dare turn your back on me and he's like yeah i dare and then he brings it to the heart of the world, which is a literal heart. And everybody shows up to stop Dr. Doom. The jig is up and Dr. Doom stabs the soul sword into the heart and says, on the contrary, the jig has only just begun. I'm not sure what this means. There's some reference that destroying this world will also destroy the real world. Um, I don't know what the Prometheum has to do with any of this. Because this thing, this whole story is called like the Prometheum Gambit or something. Yes. I guess there's gonna be answers in the next one, maybe. Sure. I don't know. You know, we're giving we're giving young writers books and seeing what they do. That's how comics works, right? Yeah. All right.
1: Um Yeah. So that takes us to Spider-Man number eleven, Perceptions part four of five, in which nothing happens. Literally
0: nothing <laughs> happens. Uh we have Spider-Man running around trying to convince people that the uh, Wendigo didn't kill the children in the woods and that we have a serial killer on our hands. Nobody believes them. And just nobody believes them. And that's literally all that happens. Um, Wolverine, meanwhile, is uh, healing, I guess, performing surgery with his claws on Wendigo, which is kind of fun.
1: Yeah, so I I take back what I said. Uh, The only thing that happens in this issue is that Wolverine extracts a bullet from Wendigo. Yeah. I guess they find another dead kid body too. But that's that's the whole thing is that uh Spider-Man is self-doubting himself. He can't let himself be seen. Nobody believes him. He's even going to, you know, Lester so if, who's a crackpot or whatever and he doesn't believe him. Wolverine's given Peter a time limit of like if you can't figure this out by 10 p.m. or whatever,
0: then I'm going to do something. The big problem with this issue for me was a story point. If Spider-Man can't afford to be seen and Peter Parker is the one confronting all of these, uh, you know, journalists and news people, then why do we get any panels of Spider-Man at all? <laughs> well, it's a Spider-Man book. Yeah. Right, and that's Spider-Man. the only reason why. There is absolutely no reason for him to be disguised uh, in the Spider-Man costume because he points out multiple times, I can't afford to be seen as Spider-Man. Then why are you dressed as Spider-Man? he yes um and you you yes. the, the answer is because it's a spider-man book he you know from a and i feel like they would have been
1: able to do that this in in, in a modern book is basically just have him go to a thrift shop and and just buy a robe <laughs> then do all of his spider-man stuff in a robe and basically you just don't have a spider-man in the issue but uh because it's in the 90s because it's todd mcfarland because you have to see that webbing you have to see those dynamic poses we need we need to see Spider Man, but the audience can't. Yeah. Which just doesn't really make any sense. Uh and I guess there's some there's a folder, and I, maybe this was detailed in the last issue, but I just forgot it. Um Wolverine has a folder of some evidence or some proof that either nobody will read or nobody believes it until they get to the police chief who's like, Oh my god, if this gets out, there's gonna be trouble. Round up the boys, everybody.
0: It seems like the police are covering something up. Right.
1: So Wendigo is better. Wolverine sort of makes a plea to Wendigo. Wendigo can't understand Wolverine, but basically takes his hand anyways. uh, And now they're teamed up. Spider-Man has more self-doubt, like two pages of just like, oh, can't make anything happen, blah, blah, blah. Well, I guess it's time to go meet Wolverine. Hope he found something.
0: Yeah. And hey, he, he says, I just can't understand them just because Wendigo had the dead boy in his hands and attacked the Mounties. <laughs> what kind of reasons are those to assume he's guilty? And uh, then it answers the question, I wouldn't believe me either. So, yeah. Yeah. So at least thankfully, it... leaders thankfully don't end that as like. <laughs> yeah.
1: So Wolverine uh, does sniff up a body, uh, pulls it out, and uh, he and Wendigo
0: are are upset are upset and that's the end of the book <laughs> yeah um i will say i the coloring on this was really muted which i kind of it wasn't it was differently a different color palette for yes. a comic book that i wasn't used to that was pretty cool and i don't know if this has been a thread through all of the issues or if it just kind of started this issue because i was looking we had talked about last issue how McFarlane is doing a lot of full page spreads and stuff to be able to finish this on time. Yeah. And he does the same thing here. And I was kind of paying more attention to those bigger panels. And, uh, and that kind of led me to noticing that the coloring was very uh, much less bright than a usual uh, comic book. Yeah. Just neat. I, I think it's, it's a, it's cool. It's unique. It's a nice touch. It's different. So I'm kind of looking
1: back to the last issue, issue 10, and if you mm-hmm. look at, not that you have to do this, but if you look at like the first five or six pages, a lot of detail, a lot of bright colors, but then as the issue kind of progresses, that that sort of less- lessens and lessens, and then I think bleeds over into this issue, which kind of tells me that everybody, the entire team is under a crunch to get these issues done.
0: Yeah, and I it, I had at first I thought the coloring was just because of it, it's easier. It would be faster, but I don't know why I would think that. I don't know anything about coloring. Um, There's a lot of muted pages that just don't have dynamic
1: colors, and and you could chalk this up to like. style you could you could you could absolutely call it like a like a stylistic choice of like this story is becoming darker and darker and darker or or more and more muted so what we're going to do with this five-part story is start at the very beginning with everything very bright colorful and vibrant and by the time we get to like this lowest point of the story it's all just going to be like drab and gross i don't think that that's the case (laughs) i don't either
0: (laughs) i think you're right i think everybody was rushing to get these issues out as quickly as possible And it just so happens that stylistically, that happened to work out pretty well for this.
1: It kind of works, but there could have been a way to sit down and plan this so that you could have could have put yourself into position where you're like, you know what, the first two or the first issue and a half is going to be super detailed, super bright. It's going to take us a long time. I'm sorry about that, but good news the middle part of the story the bulk of the story is going to be far less detailed and far less colored so you're all
0: going to get a break but it's going to work into the entire narrative and people are going to love it this issue wasn't as bad as the last one as far as uh right. feeling so, feeling rushed so i feel like 10 was the one where he was like really <laughs> pushing to get it out of the way so he could focus and start getting back to things it's it still is a little bit there's a lot of big panels yep Um, and hopefully by the time he gets to the next one, he will be back to normal.
1: A lot of shadowed chests in which it's like, well, we've got the spider designs on the outside, the shoulders and the legs, but yeah, you know, the chest is, that's all, it's all shadows. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I, I just, I'm trying to put myself back in my my teenage brain cuz i you know i bought those things up i read them i probably read them multiple times and maybe they work book after book they're very quick reads that's for sure
0: i i don't think i thought they were um great as a kid but you know it was part of the hype it was yes. like oh it's the latest McFarlane book you got to get it i think even as a kid i realized like these are not great reading and and that's why i drop off of the book i think before he even finishes his run
1: i think i stopped
0: buying it i was was just like these aren't great and we're no longer near anything that's going to be valuable
1: so i'm just (laughs) like
0: right i'm just gonna stop
1: yeah i i bought i think i have all six issues of uh eric larson's sinister six story but then i think even he dropped off the book i was like well
0: probably so anyways and then what marvel comics presents So Marvel Comics presents, I don't even know what number we're on. 67. 67. Uh, It's another story that doesn't really go anywhere. Wolverine is uh, hanging out with this family who is somehow connected to Deathstroke. A ghostwriter is also hanging out with another part of this family who is connected to Danny Ketch's friend who is in the hospital and also are connected to Deathstroke. And finally, they all come together together. And are hopefully going to do something uh this the end of this issue ends up with ninjas showing up, and um everybody fights the ninjas so it's like even the heroes aren't aren't going after the ninjas in this story. The ninjas are coming after them. that's how inept this story is um but by the end of it they they beat all the ninjas and now they're gonna go after death watch so they're gonna Finally, finally, hopefully something is going to happen. I did buy these on a regular weekly basis, and I, I just I remember this story so fondly. I think partially because of the art, but in rereading it, it's like that was another, another bunch of nothing happening. Hmm. It's really, it's really kind of sold on Ghost Rider and Wolverine together doing stuff, and you're like, yeah, Ghost Rider and Wolverine together doing stuff or fighting. One of those, sure. But yeah. I don't know if this family that they're hanging out with. Who all seem to be martial artists or some sort of cult-like uh, secret people are important. I doubt they ever show up again, so they're not really that captivating. Um, yeah, I don't know.
1: I didn't start buying Marvel Comics Presents until Weapon X, and then I bought. And that's the story that happens
0: directly after this.
1: Oh, thank goodness!
0: So, we'll be getting to that soon.
1: Well, there you go. Um I didn't read it because I I forgot about it. <laughs> so, that's my excuse.
0: There's also uh in Uncanny X-Men there's an origin of the X-Men story which we don't really need to cover.
1: Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Um
0: and then there's a Wolverine story which I didn't read uh I'll probably read it later but I can It wasn't recap. in, I can it wasn't re- in un, Unlimited for some reason, so I'm leaving it up to you.
1: I can recap both of them very quickly. The origin of the X-Men is kind of a neat little story because it's told uh, to Mojo. And Mojo keeps saying, like, well, that couldn't have happened. That's all implausible. That would have never happened. Uh, so th- 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 that was kind of kind of cute to, to have the origin of the X-Men portrayed as a movie to Mojo. Um, and then the Wolverine story was basically he is having a nightmare in which he is facing off against his adamantium skeleton. And the climax of the nightmare is his flesh form and his adamantium skeleton merging him, waking up and saying, uh, I'll never be at ease with what has happened to me and w- with what is inside of me. Um, but I have my ways of dealing with it and it basically just shows him meditating. It's you know it's a fine story, fine little five pager. It
0: looks like art by Jim Lee. Oh, is it okay? Sort of looks like. I I feel like I remember this story from. I, I must have owned this annual because this all of this artwork looks familiar.
1: Uh, I can. It, it was probably collected in maybe one of the like a Wolverine trade paperback somewhere.
0: Because interestingly at a mantium skeleton Wolverine has claws and normal Wolverine doesn't have claws.
1: Yeah, interesting.
0: So at it that must, point hadn't figured that out yet. Yeah,
1: you know, the bones were definitely not a thing. Yeah. The uh well the uh the claw bones which, you know, I think wasn't that wasn't that um a reveal in Wolverine's origin story.
0: That was a when Magneto rips Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Wolverine's adamant. spoilers, when, when, when Magneto rips all the adamantium out of Wolverine, uh, which we'll get to, yeah, um, it is revealed that he still has bone claws. I'm wrong, this is not penciled by Jim Lee, it's penciled by uh, Kirk Jarvinson, who I've never heard of, and who draws a pretty decent uh, Jim Lee-esque Wolverine. Yeah, my
1: recollection, because I'm not looking directly at it, was the, the art was good. Uh, who wrote it?
0: Len Kaminsky.
1: I thought, yeah, I thought the story was fine. I mean, it's only like four or five pages, but some decent backup stuff in the, the X-Men annual. And so I think I had talked about this last time around of like, did I own this? Maybe I bought it because uh, it was X-Men related. And I like I, none of that stuff, none of the material that was in that issue was recognizable to me. So I either bought it, read it, and completely forgot all about it, <laughs> or more likely I was like, I'm not interested in this. And I didn't buy it. Don't know. Mm. Don't care.
0: This page of Wolverine and the skeleton merging. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. I I remember this for some reason. It's oh, a pretty yeah. striking image. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Maybe it was in something else. I don't know. Anyway. Uh, so that covers it for this week. We're, we're on a, uh, we're going to do a couple more B-sides mm-hmm. stuff before we get back to the X-Men proper. Cause there's a bunch of stuff that we just have kind of have to catch up on. You got to play catch up. So we we don't have to catch up that's true we don't have to (laughs) i think we're choosing
1: to catch up on it yeah so adam you got anything else no 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 neither do i so until next time my name's jeremy
0: my name's adam and the danger room is closed